Well, good morning. We want to welcome you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. If you're brand new here or visiting, thank you for taking the time to do that. You can always check us out online to uh, hear past sermons, and uh, we'd love for you to get caught up on anything that's going on uh, with the church at pvcc.info or pvcc.com. It is an exciting time, uh, not only just this time of year, but with the church body here. Uh, I appreciate those who took the time to clear the parking lot, not only, not only here at the church building, but over at the school. Uh, there's a lot of man hours that go into clearing parking lots so that we can drive in and, and safely uh, park and that sort of thing. So appreciate those individuals that have been doing that so much for us this winter with so much snow. A Christmas bus has been mentioned. That was a great time last night. Thank you for Brian driving and the Clays for getting that lined up, as well as others that put all the lights on uh, that was supposed to go out in the parade that wasn't able to take place. But thank you for those who were joined us last night for that. It was a lot of fun. Top of the Peak took place yesterday as well. And so many of you uh, got to be a part of that, and that's an exciting time uh, as well. <clears throat> and then the children's Christmas program took place. Uh, the practice took place yesterday morning as they look forward to this evening's um, program. And I would encourage each and every one of you, I haven't had a chance to say much of this, but I would encourage each and every one of you to be here tonight if you can come out at six o'clock. I truly believe things like the Christmas program help solidify uh, how important the things of God are in our children's lives, and especially when they come and see so many adults coming to support them, to share uh, with them how important that is as well. And so that will be taking place this evening at 6 o'clock, uh, and we'd love for as many of you to come out as possible. Our Wednesday night, family night, is going to be starting up here in January, and so again, continue to pray about that. Um, we're just trying to do our best to get that off the ground well, and if you can play a part in that in any way, we'd love for you to join in with that as well. This morning, uh, we continue in 1 Peter, and uh, we're not quite into a, a, a Christmas message. However, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about share it like a shepherd, and uh, so I encourage you to be back again next Sunday morning. Uh, but I wanted to finish out chapter 2 in 1 Peter this morning as we're going through a sermon series on here and there. And as Larry shared with us last week, the idea of we're going to be going through some tough things. There's going to be things in life that are, are not easy. And even though we're at a time of year that is joyful in many ways, more people are happier at this time of year. That's the studies show that a lot of people are putting up Christmas decorations earlier and earlier and earlier because they want that joy in their life. This still can be a time of year for many people that can be a depressing time, a time of suffering. A time where it reminds them of loss. And many of you even here in this room might be going through loss this morning. Many of you know Murray Watson, who has been recently in the hospital. And then just most recently has been uh, put into hospice. We want to pray for the Wing and Watson family as Murray uh, did pass away last night and went home to be his father in heaven and it's things like that at this time of year that it's not always easy. We go through things in this life that we know are difficult. And we look forward to the day when we have no more pain, no more suffering. 
where we get to spend eternity with God. And yet until that day comes, Peter is calling us to endure unjust suffering. See, there's a difference between suffering that we might deserve and there's difference between that and at times as Christians suffering that we might face unjustly, that we don't deserve it. And as we look into 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read one verse from last week as well as the, the final verses of chapter 2. And I think about each and every one of us in this room. I don't know how each one of us at different times in our lives are going to face unjust suffering. Each and every one of you are going to encounter some level of unjust suffering that didn't have anything to do with what you were doing, but it came upon your life because of the choices of another person or just because of life in general. Maybe some possible examples might be, you know, it's the, the spouse that treats you poorly because they had a bad day and it had nothing to do with you. It's the boss who might overlook you for a raise or a promotion and gives it to someone else because of some office politics. It's the friend that you thought had your back, but in fact they're actually talking behind your back. It's the person who attacks you on a social media site because you stand up for God's truth. And I could go on and on, but all of us at some point will endure suffering because of circumstances that are out of our control. And so this morning, I want us to address the question of how do we go about enduring unjust suffering as Peter calls us to? And I think it has a lot to do with how we would try to be good at anything that goes on in life. If I want to be a good speaker, I want to hear messages or hear someone speak that's a, a good speaker. If I want to be a good at a sport, I, I want to look to someone that I can imitate and see their practices and, and how they perform when it comes to a certain sport. As I was talking to Tommy, Tommy shared a story with me about a time in his life when he, he wanted to be the best saxophone player that he could possibly be at that time. And in order for him to do that, he felt that he needed to move to Connecticut, which he did, to learn under a great saxophone player named Jackie McLean. You see, if we want to be the best at something, we want to try to learn from the best. And I remember uh, several years ago for the Summer Olympics, um, my son, who is now eight, was five at this time, Brady, and he was watching the 2016 Summer Olympics and all the swimming races, and of course it's summertime, and so we'd go to the pool, and then uh, Brady, he, he, would, he would stand on the edge of the pool, and he'd go like this. <laughs> he'd flap his arms back and forth, what, what are you doing? He's uh, five years old, I'm getting, I'm getting ready for a race, getting ready for a race. You know, and in his mind, he saw Michael Phelps, one of the most decorated Olympians with 28 medals, stand at the edge of the pool before you get into the race. And if he was going to be the winner of the race, Brady, at five years old, knew he needed to flap his arms back and forth like that to get ready to jump in. And if we're going to truly know how to endure unjust suffering, then we're going to have to look at the life of the one who endured unjust suffering perfectly 
and that's Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, this morning as we dive into your word, may you speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit lead us. God, if there are areas in our lives that we're struggling, we're suffering through different things, whether it be family life, jobs, just uh, trying to make it from day to day, and there's things that we just don't have control over, God, when it comes to that suffering, I pray that we look to you and your word this morning and know how to endure unjust suffering. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Before we read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 25, again, this might not be the most Christmassy type of message, but I think we're at a time of year where we interact maybe with some relatives or some people that we're not used to interacting with. We're around people maybe more often at concerts or different events, and there's going to be opportunities for things to take place that just rub us the wrong way. And so how do we endure through some of that? As we look to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21, from last week, we read, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and to live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. As Larry shared last week, we are called to endure unjust suffering. And we can endure it because Jesus suffered for you and for me. And he gave us an example of how we can endure those times of unjust suffering. If you're taking notes this morning, I would encourage you to write down the first thing. As we look into verse 22, it says, He committed no sin. If we're going to endure unjust suffering we have to work at not sinning in those situations. We look to Jesus as our example. And Peter reminds us that Jesus was perfect. Jesus was without sin. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 from the NIV says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And also from Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus again, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, I, I'm not anywhere close to being a perfect individual, especially uh, not w when it comes to parenting by any means. But a lot of times when I'm interacting with my children and they've done something wrong, I try to sit down and talk through what's going on. And I'll say something to the effect of, well, would I do something like that to your sibling? Or would I say something to that effect to that person? And a lot of times they'd say, well, no. And then I'd say, well, the next time you do something, before you do it, 
Think about if I would do it. And it kind of goes back to that whole campaign of what would Jesus do? We are to respond to unjust suffering in a way where we commit no sin ourselves. But you might say this morning, well, it's just not possible. I'm a human. You know, I sin. That's in my human nature. Uh, it, that's what's going to take place. If someone, you know, rattles my chain, you know, rubs me the wrong way and rattles my chain, I'm going to get upset. And yet, according to Scripture, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it really comes down to that idea of it's through Christ. As Larry mentioned last week, it's not on our own power, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we're to not sin as we endure unjust suffering. Also in verse 22, it says, when he suffered... Excuse me, right before that, I already jumped to 23. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And all too often as Christians, when we go through unjust suffering, we have a tendency to make up something to try to get back at that person who has hurt us. And we see it, of course, in movies all the time, in the storyline, the, the, one of the characters in the story would it just, it doesn't go their way. And so because somebody else is benefiting and they're not, they, they make up something. They, they lie about the other person in the movie in order that it makes them look bad and makes that individual look better. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. It says there was no deceit in his mouth, found in his mouth. As Jesus endured unjust suffering on the cross for you and for me he endured false accusations was made fun of was spit on and ultimately was crucified unjustly and all the while he only spoke truth he didn't make something up to try to get out of trouble or to put the blame on somebody else it reminds me of a time where my brother, who's two years older, I was probably about five years old, he was seven, we were living in a, a duplex that had a basement and upstairs uh, in Haver, and I just remember we were downstairs, and seven years old, my brother, he swore, he said a swear word. And we don't do that in the Gwen house. And I was, I, was about, I was ready to run upstairs and tell mom and dad that he swore. I just couldn't believe my ears that he would do that. And he's all, well, if you go up and tell mom that I swore, then, you know, I'm going to say that you swore too. And I thought, I cannot prove that I did not swear. And if I go up there and I say he swore and he said I swore, then we're both going to get spankings and this is not going to turn out well. And so I didn't go tell. And that's how oftentimes how it is. We as humans, we lie in order to get back at someone. We try to get out of trouble. But if we're to follow in the steps of Jesus, we must always speak the truth. Into verse 23, it says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate he did not retaliate if you're taking notes I would write that he did not retaliate I'm not supposed to retaliate we went to a family camp a couple years back uh, 
two, I think two years, 2017 or so, and we're at Little Rockies Family Camp in Montana, and we're playing Bible Bowl. And so we had different families and groups, and people got together, and we had kids involved, and we're, so we're playing a little Bible Bowl, and Bodhi, who at the time was around 10 years old or so, he gets this question. And, and the question was, if someone slaps you on the cheek, A, get angry and hit them back, B, never talk to them again, or C, turn to them the other cheek to slap as well. And here's my 10-year-old son hearing the options of possible answers, and he's thinking, okay, well, yeah, A is out because he knows better that you don't hit someone back, and, and B is out because, of course, you never, you know, you can't say you're going to never talk to someone again, but when it came to the option C, he was just shaking his head like, he didn't like any of the answers. He didn't like any of the answers because C was this idea of letting someone slap your other cheek. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And that's so true even as adults. If someone unjustly wrongs us, our natural reaction isn't to let them do it to us again. We want to retaliate. And yet one of the ways that we endure unjust suffering is to not retaliate. The other day we were in Cadoba, and uh, they have these tall metal chairs, and Brooks, our four-year-old, was in the chair, and it, he was trying to get down, and the whole chair fell over and just crashed, you know, on that hard tile floor, and big noise, and this older gentleman that was sitting in a booth, it really had startled him to the point where he had a few choice words that he called my four-year-old son. And I was a ways away uh, in another part of the restaurant, but my wife, Autumn, was right there. <clears throat> and uh, here she comes over to me, and she is fuming because she just, she's in a moment gets very defensive, very upset, and she is fuming, and she says, that guy and I are going to rumble. <laughs> and I believed her. I believed her. Autumn wanted so badly to retaliate, but she was able to calm down and handle that moment of unjust suffering without retaliating. And Peter is calling Christians to follow Jesus' example and not retaliate. As we continue on in verse 23, it says, When he suffered, he made no threats. He made no threats. As we were on a cruise ship, there was this uh, wave rider thing. That There was two of them on the ship, but one of them wasn't working. And so the, there was a big crowd for riding this wave rider that had water that shoots out. And you get on this, like, boogie board and you kind of get on your stomach. And then you try to get up on your knees and not crash and fall over. And it was a lot of fun. And they had only specific times that you could go and be on this wave rider. And, and so uh, as we were kind of going through our trip on the cruise there's different times where our kids wanted to join in and and so there was a time where it was a big long line and they always started the line at the same place and uh, there's there's always kind of funny there's individuals that want to get up there and kind of show off their skills they could spin around and the majority of us were like oh you know just trying to try to get on the thing and and so we got there early one day because our kids hadn't had a chance to they wanted to get there early so we get in line at the spot where you're supposed to get in line at well there's these Two young, uh, a guy and a gal that had been sitting under an awning because it had been raining. They were, they were waiting for the wave rider too, but they were sitting under the awning. 
But my kids just went out there in the rain and stood where you're supposed to start in line. Well, here are these two young 20-some-year-old kids come up, and they kind of just like, we were already in line. I'm like, what? what are you talking about? We're, we're here. This is where the line starts. And they're like, no, you, you guys need to get behind us because we were in line first. We were just waiting over there. We're like, what are you talking about? You just the other day were telling somebody else that they couldn't be where they were because they were here and there in line and this and that. And, we're like, and so I, you know, in, in that moment, I'm not really a confrontational person, but here's my 15-year-old daughter trying to just stand in line and here's some 20-year-old gentleman that's saying, hey, you need to move, get out of my way. And I wanted to make a threat, you know. But I wished I was more like Richard's size over here that's, you know, six-something, you know, a little bit bigger guy. I'm always kind of the scrawny guy in the situation, you know. And I can't really make much for threats. And I praise God that I didn't have to because my wife went ahead and talked to him. And it all worked out fine. We all got on the right. <laughs> we didn't get kicked off the ship, so. But oftentimes we want to make threats. What about you? If someone unjustly treats you horribly or unjustly treats one of your family members horribly, do you respond with threats? Jesus could have threatened to call down legions of angels to wipe everyone out when he was hanging on the cross, but he didn't. Instead, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed for those who were responsible for his unjust suffering. Luke 23, 32 through 37 reads, Two others, two others were, who were criminals were also led away to be executed with Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his garments by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him and came up to offer him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And in the midst of the worst possible unjust suffering any person has ever had to suffer, Jesus made no threats and he prayed for those inflicting that suffering. Is that the same way that you respond? As we look at verse 23 again, it says, Instead, instead of the threats, instead of deceit, instead of retaliation, instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't take matters into his own hands. He trusted that God would take care of it in his time and in his way. And we oftentimes want to handle it ourselves. We want to do it ourselves. And there isn't a week that goes by in my household where one of my sweet, perfect, wonderful angel of children 
will wrong one of my other sweet, innocent children. And in those situations, I always tell them over and over and over again, if you have a problem with someone else, come tell me and I'll handle it. I'll be the judge. I'll I'll make sure that it's handled properly. And yet all too often, just like my children, we as Christians, we want to handle it on our own. And so Bria hits Brady because Brady did something to her. Or Brooks jumps on Bodie because Bodie did this to you know. And so if they would just come to me, then I would be able to help them. And we as Christians are to go to God. We are to entrust our situation of unjust suffering to the God who judges justly. God will take care of it, no matter how big it is, no matter how extreme it seems, no matter how much we have no control over, God will take care of it. And I was proud of my now 12-year-old son, Bodie, just the other day. He was involved in a random situation, and, and he got hurt, and in that time of being hurt, he was hurt unjustly, and it was mentioned to him that he should get back at the other person. And my 12-year-old son responded with something that I had shared with him before. It's that old Chinese or Japanese saying that says, before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. And when we try and handle things on our own, not only do we hurt those who unjustly caused us pain, but we end up hurting ourselves even more. And Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear ch- friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Are we willing to endure unjust suffering by putting it all in God's hands? Will you allow God to handle whatever unjust suffering you are going through right now? And again, it may be caused by someone else and their choices, or it may be caused by the broken world that we live in. But are you willing to allow God to handle whatever unjust suffering you're going through right now? And as we close out this section of verses, as we come to a time of invitation, I want to read these last verses as the praise team comes. Verse 24 and 25, it says, He himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and to live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You see, Jesus suffered unjustly. So that you might die to your sins. So that you might come to Jesus and live for righteousness. Because as verse 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This morning, are you a lost sheep that needs to come back to Jesus? I pray that our lives 
a reflection of how grateful we are for what Jesus did for us on the cross for our sins. Will you stand with us? If you have a decision to make, will you come as we sing?